Hello, Les Raymond here with the Mindful Movement. Whether you are about to enjoy one of Sarah's beautiful meditations or dive into a podcast interview, I would like to remind our community that the best way to support the Mindful Movement is to support the companies that make this happen. Sarah and I are very picky about the companies we choose to work with, and we are grateful to have the relationships we have and to share them with our listeners. You can learn more about our affiliates through our website by clicking on the Favorites tab. We are excited to have recently added Sunlighten as an affiliate. They make state-of-the-art infrared saunas, and their founder, Connie, came on for a recent interview if you would like to listen. Our Sunlighten sauna has been a family favorite for over a decade. Some of our most popular affiliates are the grounding mats from Ultimate Longevity, which we sleep on every night, and the Apollo Neuro, which Sarah is now wearing daily to help manage stress. When you support these brands, you in turn are supporting the mindful movement and helping Sarah and I continue to devote our time to this passion. Whether you check out these companies or not, I just want to say thanks again and reiterate how grateful Sarah and I both are for all of the support over the years. I hope you enjoy the episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Mindful Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Les Raymond. Thanks for joining me today for another episode. I have Caroline Corey on the podcast today. And she reached out to the Mindful Movement to come and chat. And some, when I checked out her info, a lot of it really resonated with me. I think I find myself after just the continuing deepening of my own practices through meditation and breath work and through other modalities that I tinker with, I find myself pondering some of the, I don't know, like larger questions of life and, you know, meaning of life type stuff. And something that has come up with me personally a lot over the years is like the pondering of uh, trying to figure out what's real, like the ideas around the nature of reality itself. And I think they're, they pose fascinating questions. It seems like we are set in a way where we go through life with these assumptions that everything as we experience it is what's absolutely true but like we know that we're bound by our nervous system and the and our sensory organs you know the way we take in visible light into our eye and the way we hear things and we perceive these things a certain way but it's the human way whereas we know that from as like scientists study other animals that they perceive things differently. So who's to say what they perceive is, you know, not true and what we perceive is true. So it just makes me wonder that there's a lot that we don't understand quite yet. And the idea of, you know, exploring these questions, I find enjoyable for some reason. (laughs) So 
Caroline works in the realm of, you know, consciousness and using different concepts around it to help improve life and, you know, as, as a medicine, you know, it's, it's what, as we've described before, medicine is kind of what helps you live and if you could use, you know, the ways that you look at things and then being open to using those in ways that could kind of support your life as you kind of dance your journey that um, you know that could be a, a different form of medicine but very useful she's uh, been involved with a lot of films that are fascinating looking honestly I haven't uh, dove into them yet I've just kind of watched the trailers and some information about them but just from scraping the surface, I'm really intrigued and I'm looking forward to taking a deeper dive into her work. I find it fascinating, but it definitely uh, connects with the ideas of like using your mind. And I know through meditation, one of the things that I've learned is that we're not necessarily our mind, but it can be you know, used as a tool through practice. Whereas without practice, maybe we're more likely to be used by our mind. And, you know, I've always been drawn to the ideas of placebo. Like I know in a lot of clinical studies when they're trying to figure out if let's say a certain compound or drug works, that they always have to account for placebo. And I've always taken that as evidence that the placebo is very real, which raises the question, what is it? So on some level, you know, it's our mind's ability to, ability to, you know, affect our biology and that there's real no, there's no real like separation between our mind and body. So as we, you know, refine the way we think, the way we, what we believe about things, you know, that can affect our emotions, it could really affect our internal chemistry, and it could affect the outcome of like how our sense of health or wellness is being expressed. And I love that stuff. And Caroline seems to have spent a lot of time in that realm. It sounds like she started at a very early age, so it was nice to hear you know, how, how she was kind of awakened to these ideas and then she's been on quite the journey. She's done a lot of work. We didn't have a ton of time. I feel like there's a lot more we could have got into so maybe on a future episode she'll come back and share more. But I really enjoyed talking to her. She, uh, you know, radiates a very, like, lively energy that I feel like the world could use more of now. You know, hopefully that she just, you know, just a huge smile, a lot of positive energy that just comes off her. And, you know, I think we could all use some of that. So I hope you enjoy the episode and I want to thank you again for, for tuning in. Okay, thanks for joining the Mindful Movement Podcast. I have Carolyn Corey here. I'm really excited to talk to you, Caroline. Um, maybe you could say hello to the audience, and then we'll dive right into how you got involved and what you got involved in. Hey, Les. Thanks so much for having me. This is so awesome. Um, I am very excited to be talking to you today because I saw some of your work, and it's incredible. I think 
the mindful movement is helping so many people, obviously, um, you know, kind of understand more about who they are, how they can tap into their mind, you know, the power of their mind, which has been literally my work <laughs> my whole lifetime. Um, and I say that because I started at a very young age. I was five years old when I had uh, an experience that literally changed my life, that set the course of my entire life. And so in this uh, experience, I spontaneously uh, came in contact with beings, with energy, with information. Um, and I realized that, hey, I could see subtle energy. I could see things that others couldn't see. Um, and I could understand certain things that obviously at five years old, they don't teach you, you know? And so I would look at someone and I could tell what they were thinking, what they were feeling, what problems they had. Um, I, could, I could see what's on the other side of the wall. I mean, stuff like that. Is this so, something that you were like consciously practicing or it was just kind of arising in your field of awareness? Or is so, it something you were thinking about and trying to do? You mean when I was younger? Yeah, when was, like at five years old, yeah. it seems okay. like a strange thing to start happening yeah. to someone. Okay, I'm going to tell you the story then, since you asked. It's actually quite interesting. Um, so it was actually Christmas Eve, and I was just there, you know, in the living room, and there's like parents and all the adults kind of fussing around the Christmas tree and gifts and whatever. And I was, I was just looking at them and thinking, and they were arguing and, you know, so, so I looked at them and I, I started to think this world is so strange because um, I, I could not feel love. And so coming from them, and it was supposed to be such a holy or some special day, you know, I'm five years old, right? So I'm trying to kind of understand what that was about. Like, why were they making such a big deal about that night? And, and yet it was only arguments and things like that. And so I, I was noticing how humans didn't know how to express love. And, and I felt very lonely, like in that moment. So I, was, I kept thinking, where's love? Where's love, you know? And it's exactly at that moment that those beings, I want to say, it's, it was like kind of like angelic forms, you know, just kind of uh, showed up. And then this is where I had this incredible experience of, of, of love, you know? So, so I started to realize that beyond the physical, when I was tapping into something beyond, you know, the human spectrum, so to speak, I was tapping into an intelligence that was all love. So uh, I think we may have got ahead of ourselves a little bit. Carolyn, you're a filmmaker, an author. Um, it seems like a lot of the the work you've done is around maybe like states of consciousness and energy, uh, both in general and how we can interact with it. Uh, maybe like the ideas around like mind over matter, if you will, or 
Um, and that resonated with me a little bit. I remember, and maybe you could teach us what's going on here. I've done a couple courses on Reiki. Yes. And, um, you know, I went to these courses like real with a real open mind. And, um, and I, and it was interesting to me. I was, I found myself kind of uh, toggling to some level of like not being able to deny that I was clearly having some ability to interact energetically with, uh, I mean, and maybe it was just with myself, but I at least perceived that it was with others also. And I felt that other people could interact energetically with me. And, you know, I remember being in these, um, you know, like day long courses or whatever, like pondering what's really going on? Like, how's this, how's this working? And kind of <laughs> almost like a discussion or a debate between like the right side of my brain and the left side of my brain. Right. Um, so it sounds like you've done quite extensive work in that area that I guess stemmed from this very early childhood experience you have. Uh, like what, le- well, I guess first, what led you to go from that experience you just referenced to this lifelong course of learning and understanding and teaching and how I guess how has that related to um hmm, I don't know how to say this like how's that brought you to what you've what you're doing now really like how's that's a big gap to to cover I guess from five years old when you've had what five or six films you put together in multiple books Maybe you could give us like a summary of that process, and then maybe we could dive in a little bit to the science behind some of these concepts, these ideas that are I, I find fascinating. Yeah, well, it's exactly what you just said. When you were in those courses, you could tell, you could feel there's something beyond. Uh, you are tapping into the energy. And that's exactly what happened to me when I was five that I was describing. I noticed, uh, you know, between the people, there was an energy. And that energy is what allows people to connect to each other uh, energetically, like not verbally or physically. And so because of that experience, what happened was I started to ask questions. Okay. How did I do this? What is that thing, (laughs) you know, that you're, we're tapping into, how does it all work? So when I started to ask these questions more and more and more information would come in, um, I would understand certain things, certain principles, the, the, basically the, the mechanism of consciousness. And so as I grew up, I continued to have these experiences. And uh, because I wanted to know how it worked, I got into the field of consciousness research. And can you, so- Can you pause and define that word consciousness? Yeah. So to me, consciousness is, a, the, it's, is fundamental, meaning it's at the base of everything. If there was a before and after, it would be before matter. So, it, you, so it, you don't feel that it like is something that emerges from existence. Like it doesn't emerge from ev- an evolutionary process. It's no. like, it's more like the fabric itself that everything else emerges from. 
Correct. As opposed to people who think that it, it's a product of the human brain. That is, uh, for me, it's the exact opposite what you just said. It is the fundamental fabric of existence from which the physical world emerges uh, in all different forms. I mean, as you can see, uh, the physical planets and stars and, you know, the universe itself, but also intelligent life. And so because it is fun, the fundamental fabric of all of existence, then it is kind of at, at the, the base of everything. And that's the reason why it is kind of part of everything. Therefore, it connects everything. Did you and, study uh, this topic or is this something that you felt just was like inherently inside of you that you were like teaching yourself from your, your experience as you know, you were going through life and perceiving it the way you were? Yeah. So what happened was I would be having experience, like spontaneous experiences. And then I would research, for example, for example, I would just be sitting there and all of a sudden I would feel that I was expanded beyond my human body and I would feel that I was merged with the planet just like I would feel that I was becoming the planet so then I'd be like okay did I make this up am I going crazy you know is there something wrong because that's the first thing that you do because you think you're losing it you think you know, and I'm very, I mean, I don't like the word skeptical in a negative sense, but I mean, I don't just take things for granted, like, hey, you know, this just happened, therefore this. No, 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 no. I want to know why and how, and how is it possible? And so, so then I would research more and more. Well, first of all, uh, in terms of uh, academic background, I got into psychology because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't <laughs> there was nothing wrong with me you know like am I schizophrenic I mean keeping like keeping yourself in check there <laughs> yeah yeah and 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 you know and I think it's important but for people to 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 know this because there's a lot of people who have an experience and then they just come to certain conclusions without really doing this check and, and I'm the opposite like I want to make sure you know it's not this it's not this so I put myself through college, you know, studying uh, everything about the mind and, the, the, and how the brain and the psyche and all that good stuff. And of course, there's nothing <laughs> physically wrong uh, with me. There was no sort of imbalances or anything like that. Quite the opposite. I was, um, um, you know, kind of just functioning uh, just doing certain things more than the average person or differently, I want to say. So it's almost like we're all tapped into a spectrum, meaning a range. We, we only can see a certain range, one octave of light. We can only hear a certain range. But then we know for a fact, even scientifically, that it doesn't stop there. I mean, we have animals who hear things beyond or, you right. know, who see. So, so if you train yourself, you can get to see beyond the spectrum and to hear beyond that spectrum like animals do and other species can do. So is that considered like an altered state of consciousness? Like I know through meditative practices and even like plant medicines or breath work, I've experienced states that are very different than, you know, the 
what you experience just going through your day kind of reality. So, I mean, is, is that kind of what you're, when you're getting in touch with like energies outside of what just seems like the regular experience, is that altering your state of consciousness? I mean, or is it, you're just like tapping into a different section of some more universal consciousness that's always there that we could kind of go in and out of, or do you have any yeah, it's it's ac- Yeah, it's actually both. I mean, it's altered in the sense that you're not just focused within this one spectrum, but to me, it's more expanding it, like you're stretching it beyond. And that beyond is the universal consciousness that everybody's tapped into. And this is where all the minds meet. This is where, you know, how telepathic communication uh, happens. This is where if I'm trying to kind of see or sense the energy of what's happening for you today or whatever, that is kind of the common denominator where everybody is kind of interconnected. That is universal consciousness. And so part of that, we all have our individual consciousness within that one spectrum. So you're, so it's always there. It's kind of like a radio frequency, like a radio station. All the stations are there, but you're only listening to one. So the fact that you're listening to one doesn't mean that the songs stop on the other stage. You're just not listening. You're just not paying attention. And so all you have to do is just switch, you know, turn to the other frequency so you can hear what else is happening. Uh, But those other songs, those other um, radio stations are happening all the time. So that's an exciting concept. I mean, here we're talking a lot about kind of empowering people to play a bigger role in their their health, their sense of well-being. And it seems like if you have enough understanding of these concepts, you could start using these ideas um, to really enhance your life in some way, which uh, I doubt when you, I don't know if you were able to do that when you were five years old, but you know, you academically went through, it sounds uh, psychological studies. And then I think I was reading, you dove into philosophy a little bit. Yeah. Where did you go from there? How did uh, continue this this uh, path you were on for us? Yeah, so I actually got to graduate school, and what happens in psychology in graduate school? They te- they you start training, like you start working on each other, right? And I realized that uh, I remember very well actually this one scene where I was uh, doing this uh, training with the teacher actually. And basically she was teaching me, she was telling me that the most important thing or the way you are as a psychologist is you are basically a sounding board. You let the person just tell you all their problems and you just listen, (laughs) you know? And then there's certain like, kind of, um, you know, like, like typical symptoms, you know, like if they're talking about this and that, then it's a mother issue. If they're talking about this and that, then it's a father issue, you know? So I just, so anyway, I remember sitting in that, that session and thinking, this is so simplistic. (laughs) It is so much more than that. And then you can't be generalizing like every time, you know, if it's this symptom and that symptom, it means necessarily that, you know, because when I was spontaneously tapping into someone's energy, I mean, it's so much more complex because we 
we create our own stories differently. Maybe at, at the end of the day, we, it all kind of starts with the mother or father or what have you, but the way the patterns are created in your consciousness versus your, you know, your partner or your neighbor or whatever is completely different and is so unique. And if you don't follow that pattern and undo that pattern in that way, it doesn't really work. It's kind of like a band-aid. It's like, you know, one size fits all, just do this one thing and it works for everyone. And so I realized it was so much more sophisticated, uh, this whole energy part of the healing and the work that was totally ignored that I ended up not really, you know, after I graduated, I was like, okay, well, that was nice, <laughs> you know, but it's just not enough. And I got deeper into what I was experiencing, what I understood was more of, of the truth of, you know, how we really are as consciousness. And, and this is where I got more and more into the understanding of meditation, different states of consciousness, uh, being able to perceive the subtle energy, read the energy, discern the energy. That's the problem too. Like, it's like, we don't have enough ability to discern, which is it? Is it just anger? What is it about? You know what I mean? And the more you can discern, the more you understand the root cause uh, of the issue. And when you get to the root cause, it just gets undone just like that. And so that's why I, then I started develop methodologies from that principle. Gotcha. Yeah. And then from that, you went on to write books and to make what looks to be really beautifully done films too, which I'd love to hear a little bit more about if, um, if you want to dive into either like the more recent one, or if you have a favorite or something that you think is most relevant for, you know, what our audience might be interested in. Yeah. So, so then I developed methodologies for, for meditation, for healing, for energy healing, for self-healing, but also to, to teach others to tap into those, you know, those. So I trained hundreds of people around the world. And uh, of course that led me to kind of, people would say, well, can you write a book on this? So I ended up writing books on those principles. So my website is packed with courses and books and, and all of that. And I realized that I, I did a lot online back when still nobody was doing online. Now everybody's doing stuff online, but I started out kind of doing things like that. So I would connect with people like in Australia, in Japan, um, you know, all parts of the world. And um, so we would do online guided meditations in healing and it would work. I mean, people were clearing things, phobias, traumas, things they were struggling. So, so I started to realize, wait, this is, this is real, <laughs> you know, this is not fake. I mean, this is, you know, the, the, the medical test, the before and after we're not making this up. And because it didn't have anything to do with the culture, because people you know, or the, the belief systems, because there's people from Europe, people from Asia. People. So that gave me the confidence to share it more openly. Uh, and I wanted to do something, uh, use a, a medium that's easier, which is film. 
I said, you know, it's not just this group of people, you know, this, this is real. Let's talk about it. And then I started to more on a mainstream level and I started to make films that way. Gotcha. So it seems like um, I was looking at some of the content around one of the films called, I want to say superhuman. Am I remembering that? Yes. yes. Um, which I guess was tapping it into, I guess, to really affect, you know, use your energy, I guess, to affect something outside of yourself. Like what's going on there? I mean, you mentioned earlier that, you know, consciousness is kind of always going on and there's all these, all this information. And it's really a function of tuning like our frequency or tuning ourselves to into a different frequency to experience consciousness differently. But what's happening when someone is using energy in some way to affect something else? Like how does that relate to this, um, all-encompassing like fabric that we exist in yeah this is um so this is the topic of my my uh, last film it's superhuman the invisible made visible and so what happened was like i was saying because uh people were having incredible experiences measurable real experiences i started working with scientists and scientists of course in the field of consciousness and what they do is they try to measure have a some sort of actual measurable effect of consciousness so because what is consciousness it's everywhere right but if i'm able to measure the effect of consciousness on a physical object then i have some sort of reference that uh, about that connection it's no longer a concept out there like hey the mind creates and think positive, it's good for stress level or whatever. These are just concepts. But when you actually see a device responding to your state of consciousness, then it starts to be interesting. So in the movie, so because I, I, um, uh, I started working with the scientists before I made the movie. And I, again, I started doing it uh, remotely because everybody's in a different part of the country and so the first experiment I did was to change the pH of water no no it was electricity of water so so uh, I, I worked with Glenn Ryan at the time he was in California at the time I don't remember but anyway I was in a different state or vice versa he was in Boston and I was in California but anyway and so he had a, a he basically was able to measure the electrical conductivity of the water, meaning the electricity that goes through the water. And so um, what we do when we do something scientifically, we do what we call a control, you know, so we measure the electricity going through the water over a period of time. So we get sort of a reference point. So it's going, you know, right. <laughs> so we know, okay, well, that's the over, over yeah, baseline over days, even over um, hours just before. And then let's say exactly at three o'clock, I focus on the water and I want the electrical conductivity to go up, to change. And exactly at that time, it jumps. 400 percent 
and then you're the, not at the place where the water is you're doing this not even that yeah i started even the hard way which is long distance and then later i did it in person so so then what happens is that so so you you get that measurement and then the minute you stop it goes back to the baseline but the idea is scientifically to do it again so then we would do it again and again and and so we get this correlation time correlation that it's exactly at the time that i'm doing this that it happens then you start to get consistent measurement then that is a scientific it's it's that's scientific validation so and you are increasing the conductivity of the water which is usually regulated by what like minerals in the water or mineral all, all kinds of stuff minerals you know your nervous system too when you know you have a, a rush of adrenaline, for example, hormones, all kinds of stuff is going to change that. And so in this experiment, uh, the idea, you know what, I think I did water and DNA also. But because, this water is in like a glass in a different place than you. Yes. And without adding anything to the glass, like physically, you're altering how the, the water behaves. So what do you like, how do you account for that? Like, how do you explain how that works? Yeah, so so exactly. Um, so what happened is when we are able to repeat that over and over and we're convinced, okay, there is an effect, then we start to, to do even more. Sometimes what we do is we also put it in a, um, in a vacuum, uh, you know, like a Faraday cage, because the print, the idea is that, or the argument is that when you are in close proximity, let's say I'm trying to change the, you know, the, the water that's here, right here, even if I'm not touching it, but it's close enough, it's still within my field. So the argument would be, oh, you know, your, your magnetic field, your electromagnetic field is interacting with the magnetic field of the water. Therefore there could be something like that. But when it's done, you know, oh, right. 300, yeah. How do you explain that? You know, so that's the reason why long distance uh, work is extremely, it's fascinating yeah. to disprove uh, the idea that conscious, that, that it's the, it's an electromagnetic effect. Now we're talking about a non-local effect. So how is this from a thermodynamic or physics point of view, that's impossible. That should be impossible. And yet it happens. And so, so now it starts to be very intriguing. So now, you know, is that consciousness is because, you know, I started by saying consciousness is fundamental, meaning it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And it is at the base of all of creation, all of existence. So is it possible that I could be right here and changing my consciousness in such a way i'm over here that because we're connected regardless of distance is it possible just by me thinking about it it just behaves the way i want it to behave you see because that's the effect that we're measuring but so, has it been explained like how well again it's all theories right now okay. you know why because we don't understand, even those scientists, that's what they're researching. They are, they are getting the measurements, which is what people can see in the movie. They can see all the experiments that we did live on camera. So they can see uh, those measurements and the effect, 
but the what is it or how does it work is still being figured out because also don't forget mainstream science doesn't believe in any of that right. you know mainstream science also there you know we don't know i mean we know now they say space is not empty space is filled with hydrogen and you know all these molecules but they still don't know you know how how everything is connected or works so because of that these are all kind of um they're still it's still being studied and investigated yeah i've, I've done some rabbit holes in like space and matter i guess i guess that's you know in the realm of physics and it's it's fascinating because something that seems to come up is like the closer scientists look at uh particles or or matter as as we experience it the more it looks like it's made of nothing, like yes, uh, which is <laughs> empty you know, space. <laughs> it's mostly empty space. So I'm like, well, how does this chunk of empty space, you know, exist or emerge within this field as a part of this tree, as compared to a part of that squirrel running by the tree, or like the closer you look, everything's made of the same stuff, and it's mostly nothing. Yeah, but obviously we experience it is so. Uh, you know, what we what we experience, we're sure is there, like we feel very strongly that this is reality, but we're seeing like this little sliver. And then when they look out into the cosmos, there's a lot of space that they haven't really identified. I guess it's called like dark matter. Dark matter. And it takes up more space than the matter that we have identified. So it's like most of the exists as we know it we still don't really know what it is and it seems like it's a lot of nothing, <laughs> but out, nothing. <laughs> out of that nothing a lot of something seems to be able to emerge that we seem to be you know walking through our lives you know in this soup of of matter on some level so that's interesting yeah. so they admit they don't know how this is working but yeah. they admit that they could it's a measurable effect so they're using scientific uh sensory tools to pick up on alterations of you know whatever that matter is but they and they know that you're you're like you're likely the reason it's happening because you're doing this thing at three o'clock at the same time they see the change but they themselves can't say this is what you're doing and this is how it's working yeah. And also another thing is there are different methodologies. So that's what I also was experimenting with. So for example, I also, just for people to know, it's not just water. So we worked with DNA. I was able to change the DNA, the, the molecular structure of the DNA. Hello. I mean, long distance, that's crazy. And so, so also working with physical objects, you know, moving physical objects, um, also changing the pH in water. So just as a side note, uh, the, uh, I, I mean, I'm kind of jumping ahead because I want to just tell very briefly why this is crucial. Because if you're able to change the pH in water, everybody knows that uh, a negative, um, lower pH usually uh, an acidic environment is bad for health, you know, uh, viruses, bacteria thrive on this sort of, so, so having an alkaline, um, balance in the body is, is healthy. So if I'm able to change the acid alkaline balance with my mind in a glass of water, that's in front of me, I can do this to my body. 
you see what I mean? So, so if you are able, so that's the purpose of measuring and showing people that this is real so that if you can do it on a glass of water, then you can do it to your body. And this is what your mind does and it is doing. And so in the case of DNA, we noticed there are studies made that when they did those consciousness studies, when the electrical conductivity was increased in a DNA sample, not just water, um, it changed, it became, it took a different shape. It became like a torus-like and it starts to self-heal. So therefore, changing the electrical, raising the electrical conductivity in your DNA uh, affects, alters its shape and promotes its self-healing. How so do they measure, I'm sorry, how, how do they measure like the shape of they can, they can, it was a study done, uh, I think it's USC. I have that link, um, actually. Yeah, I'd like uh, to look at that. Yeah, for sure. I can send it to you. You can post it as well. And so they're able to see that it started to self-heal because you can look through microscopes and, you know, devices. You can see the shape changing. I mean, when you look through a microscope, you can see the shape of the cell and the shape of... So, so that, so that just, so that's the implication of the importance of what this could mean. And so that is the reason why, whether we know how I do it, did it or not, or how, you know, the fact is it is having a physical measurable effect. So that's the first most important point that people can take from this. It's not just for fun. It's not just, you know, this is something that people can. So now, for example, your, your, your uh, kid has a tummy ache. Okay, it's probably too much acidic, you know, or something like that. If, you know, just see if they can start to have that react, that reflex to focus on the stomach, for example, and try to change its acidic environment and see if that works. I guarantee if we start to have those sorts of responses and reactions and reflexes, we start to automatically think of self-healing first as opposed to grabbing a pill or, or what have you. Right. So that is the importance of showing the measurability regardless of the mechanism. It's funny you mentioned the but, pill because it seems like in the world of like research where there's a lot of money involved, it takes, it takes a lot of money to do good research. So it's usually not done unless there's a lot of money to be made that justifies the research, which is very common in like the pharmaceutical industry. And one thing that stands out with their studies is they're always trying to control for placebo. And it, it sounds like kind of what you're referring to is kind of whatever goes on in the placebo and it's always looked at like the obstacle in the way like the enemy as opposed to like uh you know why aren't we using this yeah you know uh it with intention to serve a purpose for healing if if we're getting effects with people yes. that are taking the placebo I mean, I can understand when there's a lot of money on the line, you, you know, you're, you're saying you need it to compare to, but it's like they're missing the boat of, wait a second, if the placebo is real to the point that we have to account for it, <laughs> why aren't we just using that? Exactly. But that's precisely the point. And that's precisely what we are demonstrating. So even scientists know the placebo effect has been 
measured, demonstrated, validated. So exactly why not that? But of course, we'd rather focus on money in this society, but that's a different conversation. But going back to the mechanism, I wanted to share with you how, um, how to me it works. So, so in the beginning, I was experimenting. So I mean, like, so I would look at the water and think, okay, so do I just visualize that there's electricity going? Do I just focus on the molecules? Like, do I put temperature? Do I imagine there's heat? Do I imagine there, you know what I mean? Like, how do I get, you know, to do that? And so, so I would, I would experiment. I would try different things. And I would say, well, first I'm going to visualize that there's electricity running through it and just see what happened. And then it would be like, well, I'm going to imagine that there is a the magnetic field around the water has increased or something, which then affects, you know. So I would try different things until I would kind of just get the one that would be like I could feel and which would have an effect. So this was all trial and error, of course, feeling, you know, intuitively and then eventually getting the measurement. So, so that's kind of how in terms of mechanism. But also there's something very interesting that would happen. So when I would work with DNA or water, the effect seems to be like faster than the speed of light. It was like literally the second he would put the DNA sample, it was already responding to what I, what, what I was going to do. It was fascinating. It was, it was as if the DNA or the water was already me you know so so and in in the movie actually you you'll see that we did that again on camera i did it in another movie too but um where i I was looking i was as soon as i looked at the dna sample it jumped like a hundred percent and then it was literally it was like five seconds or six seconds or something like that and then i kept kind of waiting that's it you know Uh, and then i said i think i'm done but actually it had started like instantaneously so that's interesting compared with trying to move a physical object that was a whole different ball game so i would be like okay so there's this piece of paper you know we're trying to rotate the piece of paper or you know piece of wood or something like that so when I would focus on it, I'd be like, okay, well, move, <laughs> you know, move right or left or something, do something. And then it wouldn't move. I'm talking when I was trying it out. It would, I could feel like a certain resistance. And so, so it was like the response was totally different when it was the, the more physical as opposed to a biological system. And so sometimes I would kind of feel even a response. It would be like, I don't want to move. (laughs) So I'd start like talking to it. Okay, well, you can move right or left, whatever you want, just do something, you know? And then I would feel that sort of as if the object, I mean, it sounds crazy, but it's as if the object had a personality or an (laughs) ego, which doesn't happen with the biological system. So then... I started thinking, why is that? How, why is it different? My mind is the same. My consciousness is, my intention is the same. I want to create a measurable effect of something from between mind and matter. 
And I noticed that the reason why is that physical object is not, it's not just a piece of paper. The piece of paper was made and created by humans. It's a processed object. It's not an organic, it's, it's, not, it's not like your cells, it's not like your DNA. So because of that, it's almost like it's accumulated additional information that I had to account for. It's as if, however it got there from the tree to the factory to the, you know, all of that made it a, a different type of category of things to, to maneuver, control, or, or, or uh, affect. Were and you so, still able to affect it? it just yes, oh work? my God. Yeah, you'll see it in a movie. I mean, this. so we would put a piece of paper, first we would try it without anything, then we would put it under a glass, then we would move away from the glass, then we did it long distance. Then we did it remotely, we did it uh, with a vacuum. So, so, so the same thing with the time correlation, you know, with the, with the baseline and, and all of that. And so, so then this is where it becomes very fascinating when you say, how did you do it? Or what's the mechanism? It's the problem is it's subjective because the way I did it is going to be different. I can teach you, which is I've trained many, many people, but you're going to find your kind of, you know what I mean? Because it's your connection with that piece of paper or with that water sample or with that DNA sample. And that's what makes this whole thing so sophisticated, so unique. It's not, you know, like it's not mainstream science. Two plus two always is going to equal four, no matter what you do. It's always one answer. But here we're dealing with something subjective science, I want to say, you know what I mean? I mean, it's a contradiction in terms, but you see what I mean? Because it's like complex instead of uh, complicated, like algebra is complicated, but the human body is very complex and there's a lot of moving variables. Whereas like uh, an airplane is complicated, but if you take it apart and put it back together, you kind of know how you could predict how it's going to fly, how it's going to behave. Right. But the human body is pretty weird. So you say you teach these things. Does that imply that one can like cultivate a skill and acquire the ability to do this, uh, to interact energetically with either more efficiency or stronger or different levels or farther distances or or is it yeah. just like an on or off? Like you could either do it when you decide to turn it on and anybody could do it or it's something that you like work at and get better at and then can do more with it. It's actually both. I think anybody can do this. And in fact, that's what we also demonstrated in the film because we invited different guests because I didn't want to be the only one. What's the point if I'm the only one who can do this or just three people who can? The idea is to demonstrate that this is part of human nature. And so we invited different types of people from all you know backgrounds. And for, for example, telekinesis, uh, we invited somebody, she had never done anything like this before, never. And so we, we brought her in and in two hours, we literally gave her a crash course, just focus this way, do this, do that. Actually, it's pretty fascinating that particular scene because, because she didn't know, she put the piece of paper and uh, we did it with her under glass. Um, 
And so she, like she kind of, we told her just focus on it and just like project what you want or whatever. So she was, she was holding the glass and then she moved away from the glass and nothing was happening, like nothing. And we were like, we have six cameras rolling, <laughs> you know, which is actually the worst condition to do this kind of work because you have this energy being bombarded. You're bombarded with this energy of, is this going to work? You know, doubt you know, skepticism, you know? And so, so, so then, she, and this person who has never done it before is feeling very you know, insecure. And so, so anyway, she, nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden she's like, I don't know, I'm just gonna like sit there and I'm just gonna give it love. I'm gonna give, as, oh, it's, and there was two pieces of paper. So she started, she said, I'm just gonna play. I'm gonna give them names. So she like, she called one piece of paper, Juliet and the other one, Joe or something. I don't know, it was kind of funny. So she gave them names and then she said, I'm just gonna play and I'm just gonna just give it love. And the second less, the second she said love, those things were rotating like crazy. I mean, it, it would rotate in one direction, it would stop. It would rotate in the other direction, it would stop. It would rotate, I mean. So what's going on with all like the camera, the people running the cameras when they watch all this? Yeah, the, so that was another super funny thing. So because I'm super sensitive and, I, and I'm running the show, I'm directing and I'm producing and I'm in it too on top of that. So I would, what I would do is I would prepare the crew. Well, most of them were pretty conscious people, but a lot of them aren't. I mean, you can't just, you know. <laughs> and so, so I would uh, tell everybody, okay, roll the cameras, make sure focus, everything's working. And then the minute we start rolling, uh, I would tell other than my main guy, uh, I would tell everybody, okay, you guys, when we start rolling, you check your text messages, email people, look elsewhere, hmm. look anywhere except on what we're doing. And so it was on purpose. The, the second they did that, it's kind of like the energy of, of uh, expectation and need um, it was gone because it was more like whatever happens, happens, you know? And this is when things were rolling. So there was a lot of preparation we had to do with that because it was very, very difficult to work under those conditions, you know? Yeah, that sounds uh, pretty impressive and fascinating that you could like make an object move. I mean, I know one thing that resonates with me, I mean, I, I find that the ability to interact with our own energy is really powerful because I do think in general, most people are like suffering in some way. Like I think there's a lot of suffering that people deal with. And I'm always envious of the people that seem to handle it very well and, and are experts at like minimizing, but most people are like dealing with something. And I remember at the uh, the Reiki workshop, cause I, I can be a skeptic too. And I have like a natural devil's advocate to me, uh, but I'm also like gullible too. I'm like extremes, but I remember the woman that was running the Reiki course, like quickly brought to our attention that everybody's done this at some point. So like for those that are skeptic out there, uh, I mean, 
she brought up the fact that you know anybody has experienced at some time at some point where like you you bump your knee into the corner or something or you stub your toe and we have this instinct to just like put our hands on it like we just grab the pain immediately and there's something that takes place like it it doesn't make it like just go away but it makes it some degree better yeah pretty much instantly that everybody has noticed like something like it would hurt more if you didn't grab it like your body you know that you're supposed to grab it and put your hands on it something happens so like i think everybody on some level can relate to the fact that we can interact somehow that's you know not in the textbooks that we learned in school and you know not plainly obvious but there's some innate sensation that we can connect with of course and and we're doing that all the time in fact that's how we make ourselves sick you know yeah. because because we are when we are projecting our thoughts i mean people think thoughts don't exist because you don't see them but actually this is a frequency you're emitting a frequency from your mind and even though you can't see them but there are still frequencies that exist and where do they go i mean well what are they you're when you're talking to to yourself the mind chatter like oh my god what's going to happen or this or that you are literally putting all these frequencies in your cells and eventually these cells start to absorb that information this is how patterns and belief systems happen you know the fear of the being a fail thinking that you're a failure thinking whatever you you weren't born thinking you're a failure i can guarantee you weren't born as a baby thinking you're you gradually kept putting these subconscious thoughts in your cells until your cells after a while said, okay, you want me to be a failure? I'll be a failure, <laughs> you know? So, so that's kind of what, what we're demonstrating here that if the, the mind, uh, our consciousness is affecting, uh, here's the measurement where well, we're not making this up, is affecting water and meaning it's affecting the physiology of your body then anything that your consciousness is putting out is affecting the body. That's the point. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. Um, it's, these, these are interesting topics for sure. It, you know, it's like we were talking about energy a little bit and like maybe the nature of matter. And, you know, it seems like everything is kind of vibrating. Like everything is a frequency, like energy. And there's, you know, information in that. And you say these thoughts have like their own frequencies or emotions will have their frequencies. And like, we know that uh, frequencies in general, whether like they're like sound frequencies, like they can, res you know, people familiar with maybe like sympathetic resonance, like the idea if you take a, like a tuning fork and strike it and put it near another tuning fork, if they're tuned the same way, it will start the second tuna fork will start to to resonate with the first one so like if thoughts and emotions or beliefs have their own kind of frequencies like why wouldn't the other cells in your body start to resonate with that frequency and pick up on that exactly exactly i mean Which, it's been demonstrated over and over but we still think of it as a theory like when we say your mind affects your blood pressure or your stress no 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 the they affect it physiologically so i mean 
you know what I mean? Like every single time, every time we have that thought, every time, you know, it's that thought is going into your cells and doing something to it. That's how we get depressed because it's just changed the chemistry of your, of your cells. And, and that gives you the feeling of being depressed or the feeling of being um, sad or angry or what have you. So that's the idea. That's the point of this work. It's, it's no longer theories out there. You know, this, you know, this is the validation. This is the measurement. There is a measurable connection between the, the invisible, the visible, the, con the, the consciousness, um, the mind and the physical world. And so, but, you know, at the end of the movie, it goes even it gets even crazier. <laughs> it's not, it's not just about, um, you know, moving an object, but then, um, you see in the trailer maybe, but, um, so we have, uh, we have people, kids, and actually adults also from all over who train themselves to see with, uh, completely blindfolded. So, um, so of course, people, the first thing people say, okay, it's a trick. Of course, that's the first thing I said. It's a trick. What's the trick? Come on. You know, this is crazy. Well, <laughs> I saw it. I investigated. I learned it. I taught it. So I know for a fact, it's not a trick. So there's something that happens. Uh, you basically train yourself to be completely blindfold. I mean, it's a blackout. You see nothing. And yet you train yourself to see uh, the physical world while blindfolded. So we even could, could measure that or prove that by, um, by putting an object behind the person's head and yet they could see it. So how does that work? You see. So, so that again is in the movie. People can see um, how that is possible. And so many people around the world are actually doing it. Again, you're going to say, well, okay, well, I have eyes. Why do I have to train myself to see? That's not the point. That's <laughs> not the point. It's not, it's not a magic trick. It's not to prove yourself that, you know, that you have powers or whatever. The, the point of this, if you are able to, the way we see the physical world is through light, meaning the light is reflected on object and, you know, the, the optical system captures those pixels and says, oh, it's a table, it's a tree, it's whatever. But if there's no light, then there's nothing being reflected. Technically, you can't see. And so how is it possible that then you put, you know, blindfolds on and you can see, you train yourself to see. This means that your consciousness, your intention supersedes the functioning of the brain because the brain, brain is trained. Hey, give me light. I can see no light. I can't see, right? That's what the brain does. But if I'm able to change that functioning, that programming, then my consciousness supersedes the physical mechanism. Now that's crazy. Yeah, that does sound crazy. So you're saying you're putting a blindfold on people and then they're seeing things that they shouldn't be able to see and then they're describing them. Right. And they're functioning. They're like uh, getting on a, they're playing ping pong. I mean, ping pong is pretty precise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're getting on rollerblades on bicycles, you know? So, okay. so yeah. Some people say, oh, there's maybe a little hole on the side or a little, you know, okay, well you try putting a, 
uh, blindfolds on, even put a hole on the side and see if you can get on a bike, you know, uh, you know, it's, and, but anyway, I understand, but trust me, like, I mean, there are examples where you see behind their heads and stuff like that. So we know that that's not fake at all. And, and anybody could do this. You think anybody's capable if you like tap in and. Well, that, that actually that is more difficult children. Yes. Pretty much every child that you teach does it. In fact, usually from the very first class, they can right away see colors completely blindfolded. And then they start to see more and more. And we did actually an online conference. So it was live over Zoom. We've invited all kinds of, I mean, everybody. And we demonstrated. So we had a kid, you know, with ca different cameras to show that there's nobody around him. And he was just reading whatever we were showing him on the screen. And he was reading everything. I mean, completely blindfolded. He put black tape on his eyes. First, he put cotton on his eyes. Then he put black tape. Then he put blindfold. Mm. I mean, that's crazy. Like, there's no way, you know, there was no cheating there. And so, so children can learn this very quickly. I think 99% of the kids just get it. Why is that? They just don't have all the interference. Of yeah. I noticed the first time you say, put your blindfolds on. Okay. What color is this? They just say it. They don't, they don't, they don't. If I did that to, with you, you'd be like, wait a minute, I have blindfold. How am I supposed to? So you go into the normal, you know, programming that that's not logical. That's not possible, right. uh, you know? And so therefore you don't see it. So for, for adult adults, it, it works. I mean, I have students who, who see perfectly, but the majority, it's a much longer training and it's more, it's, it's a lot of training. So how do you like, I mean, obviously you've done a lot of work on teaching these concepts and then demonstrating them through your art of filmmaking and writing. Um, how do you use this in your life? Like you're very well practiced at these methodologies do you make time to use this in any particular way for yourself personally or for the people close to you in your life? Yeah, I mean, the most common thing is what I mentioned before is the direct connection to the human body because that's the most useful. I mean, it's not really right now important that I go drive my car blindfolded. I'll probably get stopped by a cop and he'd be like, what are you doing lady? <laughs> no, but I mean, those types, of, this is for training, you know, like, or moving a physical object. This is for training your mind to do what you want it to do. But on a daily basis throughout the day, that's exactly what I do. Something feels off here right away boom, merge, what's going on? What doesn't feel quite right? Chemistry, no, electricity, no, this. And then you, I just change it, boom, you see? So it's usually, or somebody else, somebody else who's you know in my family or a friend, same thing. So that becomes second nature. Now you become uh, autonomous, you become self-healing, you know, as you go throughout the day. And, as much meditation as you do, we're still in this physical world. I'm extremely sensitive. I feel the collective consciousness all the time. 
I mean, I, I wake up and I'm in the middle of chaos. It's nothing to do with me, my personal life, because everything is, I mean, that I'm dealing with today is, is I mean, you deal with stuff, but not that. So, so, you know, when you feel all these things, you know, it affects me. And so I have to keep shifting. So what I'm saying is even if you do meditation, you still need to, you, to be conscious and use this tool throughout the day, you know, as a natural way of uh, self-preservation, you know, self-preservation, self-maintenance. So extremely useful, extremely practical. And then train the kids to do that. So easy. It's so easy. The kids would be like, oh, I have a tummy ache. I have a headache or whatever, or blah, blah, blah. I'm crying, you know. Okay, that's okay. Just instead of going into the old uh, ways of- uh, Yeah, that, that could be very empowering. Like I know the mind has, plays a big role in our ability to heal. And it, it's interesting. I think we could get, we're just, we get so stuck in our habits that, you know, we forget that if something doesn't feel good, that, you know, you have to, at some point, break the cycle of thinking about the thing that doesn't feel good and start thinking about what it would be like for it to feel good. Right. Like you have to have some kind of, you know, you have to work on having a belief. And I think some people that, that skill comes easier. Like they're not as well practiced at thinking negatively in general about things. And um, so it, it could be easy to be kind of stuck on the problem and not really have taken the time to identify what life would even be like. So it's like hard to believe that you could do something about it if you don't take the moment to even imagine that it's like possible. Yeah. And then that's what I was saying. That's the training is to train, to catch yourself as soon as you sneeze. Uh Oh, am I getting a cold? She's getting, Oh, she just coughed. Uh Oh, she's getting sick. Don't get me sick. You know, that's the reaction right. is yeah. something happened and we right away go to the name and it's okay. If you do that for a few seconds, as long as you just so, Whoa, Whoa. Okay. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Instead of this, I'm going to focus on my body, feeling healthy, feeling strong, feeling protected. You know what I mean? So you train yourself. You, you make a decision every day to, you know, you set the intention today, no matter whatever happens, I'm going to quickly kind of have the reflex to self-preservation or self-maintenance, self-healing, self, -maintenance, self, -healing, self uh, so that you, it becomes second nature eventually. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, something comes to mind that just happened yesterday. I, uh, the audience has probably heard this, but I've, um, I got Lyme disease a few years back and it's, it was like a real rough time for a couple of years. And I've been on a bit of a healing journey and, um, and I've done a lot of work with like my mindset around illness in general and, and wellness. And I spent a lot of time in nature, a lot of time in the woods. So like, I spent some time in the woods yesterday and last night, uh, Sarah said, you have a tick on your neck. <gasps> and like three years ago, if that happened and it was attached, I knew it couldn't have been <sighs> on there that long because it just happened, you know, that, that day. But like a few years ago, I would have, I would have like panicked. I would have had some real anxiety emerge uncontrollably and, 
I would have been negatively affected and it would have made everything worse. Like every system in my body would be kind of, have, would have less well-being from those thoughts. And because I've been practicing for years now, like healing related, uh, you know, mindset practices, it was like no big deal. It was like, oh, I'll go take it off. And like, I'm not worried. I like put my hand on it and it was like, I'm a healing machine. Like it's not even, it doesn't even have a chance. And it's, exactly. it's kind of interesting to just self-reflect on my processes. I've, you know, over a few years have really completely changed the way that I could perceive and experience. And it's empowering. Like we, we all have the ability to change. We're always adapting. We're always changing. And we have a lot of control in which directions we change. And this, you know, this mindset component of our sense of well-being is so powerful. And I think often really overlooked and not believed in. But, you know, the, the fact that they account for placebo show, you know, we know it's real. Exactly. We know it's real. So this is great. It seems like you have a, done a great job, like conveying these ideas through, you know, an art form that, people really like to digest film and it you know the little bits i've seen look really well done and i'm looking forward to taking a deeper dive uh maybe you could share with us the best way for people to find out more and if there's any other way to work with you and learn your methodologies yeah great yes uh so um for the film the one that i think people should definitely see it's called superhuman the invisible made visible and it's available pretty much everywhere uh amazon and tubi tv and uh but they can go to the website superhumanfilm.com and they will see all the platforms but also the classes that are relevant to mind matter on that website but the methodology is about healing and uh you know expanding consciousness and stuff like that that's on my main website which is carolinecorey.com okay and we'll link to those uh in the description and in the show notes um that's cool and i know you mentioned we you mentioned before we hit record that you have something on the horizon another film coming (laughs) and we don't have to get into that now but maybe when that's getting ready to come out you can come back on and talk about that because uh, I'll just uh, float this out to the audience. It's something that I'm very fascinated in and I'm excited <laughs> to, but I'm sure it's its own rabbit hole. That, and I know you have a time constraint, so I won't drag you down that rabbit hole uh, this <laughs> go round. But next time, I definitely look forward to that. Uh, Carolina, I really thank you for taking the time for, for chatting with me and sharing some of your gift with our audience. And I look forward to learning more about what you do and try, I, I, and I, I like to tinker personally. I like to experiment. So um, I would like to up my game in my abilities to affect not just myself, but maybe also the people that I'm close to in my life or when things aren't you know, going great and maybe I could help um, steal their course in a more positive way. Uh, yeah, I would love to. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna ask if there's anything else you'd like to, to share or anything. Well, I was going to offer you uh, the class that you wanted uh, if you want oh, to, sure. they're online, they're online. So if you want to do the telekinesis or the blindfold or whatever, so just uh, just let me know. I'd be happy to share that with you, offer it to you uh, as my gift, at least. 
um, but also on my main website. So whatever your heart says, you know, just let me know. Oh, that's great. Uh, I will definitely take you up on that. Yeah, and then I'll, I'll share with the audience how that goes. Yeah. 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 So go to both websites and then, uh, the, like I said, superhuman film has the stuff mind matter, but the other one has everything and, um, it will be my gift. So thank you very much. And I love the story you just mentioned about the tick thing, uh, because that's the point of all of this is that anybody can do this. Everybody can do this. It's just about deciding that you're, you can change, that you can take charge, and eventually you become that. So it's very empowering, and I'm very grateful that you shared that uh, with me today, and I'm very grateful to be here today. Great. Well, thanks again. And for the audience out there, thanks again for tuning in. I hope you got some value out of this, and please check out Caroline's work. It's really exciting, and it's uh, presented just in a beautiful way in the video. So. Um, you know, check it out and share with the audience if it affects you and see what you could do with it and then let the community know. Thanks, everybody. Stay tuned for more. Anything, any last words? Uh, no, just again, like I really, really hope people will check out the movie because it's it's so, so empowering. It's uh, also, it's taking all of this we've been talking about at a whole new level. So uh, I really hope people will start to take control and uh, be empowered with, with this work. Sounds great. Well, thanks again. And for the audience, look forward to uh, sharing more content with you soon. Have a great day. Well, thanks again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I did. Caroline is just a ball of energy and um, I really enjoyed talking to her. I look forward to talking to her again in the future. I feel like she has a lot to offer and we really just scraped the surface. Um, if you have any questions about the conversation, please send them my way and I'll do my best to respond. And if there's a topic that you do want to hear on the podcast or a certain person you'd like to hear interviewed, please let me know and I'll do my best and see if it's a good fit. Again, I'm grateful for all the positive feedback that you provided. And I apologize lately, I haven't done a lot of these uh, podcast interviews. I've been a little um, been dealing with some other stuff, but it seems to be clearing out. So I'm looking forward to being a little more consistent in the near future here. And the Mindful Movement also has some really exciting things in the near horizon. So I know Sarah is really excited to share that with the community. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And in the next few weeks, I think uh, we'll be able to talk about that. So um, thanks again for tuning in. Always grateful for your listening. And if you think you know someone that would enjoy this, uh, conversation, please share it and just appreciate your continued support. Have a great day.